What would you do if you got scammed? Would you suffer in silence or would you do something about it? Well, I got scammed once and this is the story of what I did. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, a true crime podcast from The Ringer. And for seven episodes, we're hunting a con man, a guy with a lot of aliases, a guy who's ruined a lot of weddings. And with the help of some friends, I just might be able to catch him. Listen to The Wedding Scammer on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every. NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Welcome to the Week 7 Friday edition of the Ringer Gambling Show. I'm joined, as always, by my pal, my buddy, Joe House. House, I don't know what it is, man. You must be having a good day. You look younger on camera. I'm looking at you. You look spry and young and vigorous. Uh, I don't know if it's the uh, Minute Bowl jersey in the background or whatnot, making you look thin, but uh, you're looking great, my friend. Well, Sharpie, I was out in Los Angeles over the weekend uh, with our good friend, our mutual pal, the Podfather himself, uh, enjoyed the the, the vibrant sunlight. Um, the only thing that was unenjoyable, at least for me, was that I thought I was doing him a solid by taking the New England Patriots on the money line last week. Now, he was vehement that that was a bad bet. It turned out that the pod father, having lived with these Patriots for, uh, you know, all of his life, he has his thumb on the pulse. He knew exactly what he's talking about. Um, it was a bad bet. The, it was a bad bet and a bad beat for anybody that has the Patriots plus three, but we'll get to that situation. You see, right. We'll get to that situation (laughs) soon enough, but I, I accept all compliments and I appreciate it. Speaking of compliments, Warren Sharp, we are officially one third of the way through the season. We just completed week six and you, Warren Sharp, as the devoted NFL academic that you are, spent some time looking at how this season has gone thus far. The big highlight, the big item, the big, you know, lead here is unders have been crushing and week six emblematic of all of it. Twelve, two and one to the under last week, unders occurring at a a better than 60% rate thus far this season. And the compliment is 
you did a bunch of work, you published your work, and the national NFL media is all over it. You're going to visit with Dan Patrick on Friday, Callan Cowards citing your work, and there's a bunch of folks out there citing your very hard, specific work and details without attribution, but that's the modern media. Sharpie, tell us a little bit about what you found in this deep dive. Yeah, so uh, the, the genesis of it, House, was lots of unders hitting. And the secondary genesis is I'm on Twitter, what, X, whatever, watching the games with all of you great fans out there, with all you great people. And there's just so many comments about how boring the games are and how unexciting the games are. And so I wanted to see like what specifically is going on this year that's so different from, you know, the past several years because we were we were in this renaissance of modern passing era of football, right? Score everybody was setting records left and right. Like the NFL couldn't get enough like this quarterback sets a record. Well, the next year that quarterback sets a record and like it's great for the game, it's great for the sport where it's being popularized and instead <laughs> we're stuck in the mud here. I mean these games are slogs. These games are tough watches. Um and so bottom line is scoring is down to levels that are lower than when we had the quarterback protection rules implemented in 2010. Um, and immediately thereafter, we started protecting quarterbacks in the pocket. We started protecting receivers running over the middle. These became uh, personal fouls. They were ejections for some of these things. James Harrison, James Harrison was one of the big uh, culprits and villains of the NFL and uh, getting pointed at and fined left and right. And as a result, you know, they changed the way that the game was played. And from there, boom, Offensive explosion, right? It gradually got that to that point. Teams were passing the ball down the field deeper. Teams were scoring more points offensively. Uh, and it was a great time to be a fan. It was a great time to play fantasy football. It was a great time to watch the games and the popularity has been soaring. Uh, but right now, point totals are down 43.3 last year, 43.4 this year. I mean, significantly lower than anything that we've seen pre rules changes. Uh, and that was back in 2010, right? And so, what does this mean? Well, just to show you how bad it is right now, House, odds makers who are paid a lot of money to set lines because they get beat and taken for a ton of money and then fired if they're not good at what they do, they try to set the best numbers they can on expected total points to be scored in these games. And through six weeks, their average projected totals on these games has been 44.1 points. That is the lowest that we have seen since 2011. Again, we're going back to this time frame when they were changing the rules to make offense a little bit more exciting, which we are still living in the in the NFL where these rules still exist. But they were like, you guys can't score to the level that you were a few years ago. You can't score even five years ago. You're back to like the levels that we didn't even have these rules. And despite their low expectations, teams are scoring even less than that, to the point that we are seeing 61.5% of these games go under the total. We have not seen as many unders since two, since 1991. It's been that long since we've seen as many unders. And so what's crazy is like, you would think the low totals, we should see more overs. Nope. Unders still. We can't meet any of the crappy expectations they've given us. We saw over 500 touchdowns through week six in 2020 and in 2021, we haven't even seen 400 this year. Uh, and compounding it, House, the simple fact is this. As we watch these games, they're not very competitive. The 12.1 average margin of victory for teams that win 
is the largest we've seen since 2014. You would think lower scoring, the games are going to be tighter. No, lower scoring, the games are blow more blowout. Like we're seeing less competitive games as well. So it's just a tough product to watch. And there's a variety of reasons for it. Without diving into everything, you can go uh, check out the details at Sharp Football Analysis. But just to fly through a few of them, um, how's they're calling more penalties against offensive lines in terms of uh, false starts and less penalties on defensive lines for neutral zone infractions and offsides. And as a result of that, the defenses have an edge at the line of scrimmage a little bit that they have not had in years past. And it's helped influencing the fact that we are seeing modern day defense play more zone and blitz less and yet they're getting more sacks. You shouldn't be getting more sacks if you're not blitzing as much. You're blitzing much less, but you're getting more sacks. It's because they're allowing these defenses that little extra advantage at that line of scrimmage, and we didn't used to have that. Whether they were aware that this is what was going to be the cause or not, that is what is happening. We've also seen this, this is a bugaboo for me, this is a thing that bothers me, is painful and is annoying. I understand why they started calling more ineligible man downfield because of the RPOs and the fact that these offensive linemen were getting out and being able to pass block on screen passes uh, and defenses were like, you got to stop this. But now we're calling all of these little ticky tack things where we used to call four or five of these a year, four or five a year up through week six. Last year, we were at 39 of them and we're already at 24 right now and they're being called they're taking back like 30 40 yard big gains on not the rpo stuff that it was designed for the spirit of the rule it's like a traditional pass play that's throwing the ball 40 yards downfield these linemen aren't trying to give illusion that they're run blocking and actually getting out to help pass block they're just standing there trying to keep the quarterback clear they end up taking a step beyond or two steps beyond where they should, boom, a 40-yard gain comes back. Um, so defenses, yes, they are playing differently. They're playing more too high. They're playing more zone. They're blitzing less often. But I mean, we can't lower our target depth, which is what quarterbacks are doing right now. They're throwing the ball shorter because defenses are sitting back, right? Only natural. If you're throwing the ball shorter, you should be completing passes at a higher rate. Completion rate is just like third downs. If you've got a long ways to go on third down, you're less likely to get it. You got a short ways to go, you're more likely to get it. Same thing with passing. You should have a high completion rate if you're throwing short, a low completion rate if you're throwing deep. We're throwing short, but our completion rates are low. The quarterbacks are getting pressured and sacked at a higher rate, even though defenses aren't blitzing as much. It's not making sense. And it tells me that these offense coordinators need to figure it out better. This ball is in their court to make the proper adjustments, to coach up their guys better. Uh, we're seeing worse offensive line play across the league. True. But these offensive coordinators need to figure things out a little bit more. Um, and then we're also seeing just failures inside of the red zone. Uh, we're also seeing teams not get to the red zone very much. 48.3% of drives this year have reached the red zone or scored before. That is the lowest rate we have seen since 2000. So, I mean, I could go on and on. I spent literally until, th I spent two nights until 3.30 a.m. working on this this week. I wrote uh, like 23 pages about this. Um, so there's plenty out there. Go read it if you really are interested in, in, in digesting it further. But those are the big talking points on this one, House. I would love to say that it's going to change but it's hard to envision it because now we're going to get more backup quarterbacks in there. Uh, we're going to get offensive lines that are getting banged up. Uh, the quarter, if the quarterbacks are getting sacked more, that means they're probably going to get injured more, right? Like that's only natural if that's what's occurring. So I don't think we're going to break out of this. Plus the refs aren't going to like all of a sudden stop calling ineligible man downfield. If they do like God bless, that's great. You know, if Roger Goodell listens to the ringer gambling show and takes some advice from us, <laughs> like hopefully he does stop 
calling all these penalties and makes an adjustment midseason, but that's unlikely to happen. So I just, I just kind of think that while we will see more overs in general from a betting perspective, because the odds makers will be forced to lower the numbers down a little bit further and then games are going to go over. I don't suddenly see these, this league scoring, you know, 40, 46, 47, 48 points per game on average. I think we're going to be stuck here between 44 and 45 points per game on average for the rest of the season. Yeah. And two things that caught my attention in particular, the lack of competitive outcomes, you know, where, where these games are, you cited the statistic, um, ending with, with much bigger spreads between the two teams. And the other thing, and this is something that, um, cousin Sal and, and the pod father, Bill Simmons have been talking about really since, since week one, it seems like quarterback play on average is worse this year. Now I'm not sitting here saying to you, Warren Sharp, you need to go do another two nights worth of research. <laughs> I mean, I can't get in trouble with Mrs. Sharp, but um, <laughs> it does seem like on uh, across the board that, that quarterback efficiency, quarterback outcomes, average depth of target, like all the ways that you measure um, quarterback success, that they, that there's been a, a regression um, again, not for this upcoming weekend, but I do think it would be an interesting uh, topic to, to to sort of consider as we go through here because lots of our stud quarterbacks, um, we've been sort of scratching our heads about you know what, what what's happening with them, and we'll have an opportunity to talk about some of those stud quarterbacks that we look as we look at this week seven slate. Um, a handful of of really interesting matchups. We have some some divisional games um, this week. And I want to start with the division that everybody is most fascinated by. This is this is the most riveting matchup on the board. And of course, I'm talking about the Atlanta Falcons going to Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. And oh, Desmond yeah. Ritter on the road. Um, Tampa Bay laying two and a half. I think the uh, total, it was a low total. It's like, is it 38 and a half? Is that where it is right yeah, now? Yeah, no, it's, it's even lower right now. It's down to 37, 37 and a half, in fact. So it doesn't feel like that total could go low enough. And I will tell you, um, from my perspective, anytime I get Desmond Ritter on the road, I must fade. It's a must fade. It's an auto fade. I'm not saying go out and bet the mortgage, but the 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 splits are are dramatic in terms of his output, his performance, his efficiency, his effectiveness at home versus on the road. He's lost all four of the games that he's played in on the road straight up. The team doesn't score. They're averaging 10 points a game on the road with him as the quarterback. Um, And Tampa Bay has certain attributes in terms of pass rush and and sack rate that... um, suggests that Ritter could be in for it. He has improved overall since the beginning of the season. He looked like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league and perhaps uh, on a fast track out of the league in the first few weeks. He got better. He's been throwing over 300 yards the last couple weeks. But in terms of of this um, situation on the road, I like Tampa. Um, They were humbled (laughs) by Detroit, I feel like. and and Tampa's been kind of the surprise um, team, one of the surprise teams of the season. How are you sizing up this um, dramatic NFC South 
situation. Yeah, it, it, like neither team's below 500, so kudos to both of them for that, uh, I guess is the, is the positive here. And you do have two guys here in Baker and in Desmond that, you know, like, are struggling. All right, that's the polite way to put it. They are struggling. Um, but the good news, I think, for the Falcons house in this one is simply we complained a lot on this podcast, all you guys that are fans from back when, uh, about the play calling in Tampa Bay when Byron Leftwich was calling this offense and they ran the ball a ton on first down. And lo and behold, like Byron Leftwich may not have been great, but you know what? This clearly appears to be a Todd Bowles issue because Dave Canales, the new offense coordinator for the Bucks, he's he's definitely a lot more forward thinking. He was with Geno Smith in Seattle last year. They weren't doing this stuff, okay? But right now they are running the ball at a top 10 rate on first downs in the first half, despite being despicable in that uh, product. They are running the ball and averaging number 30 in EPA per rush, number 28 in success rate, number 25 in yards per carry. Because they run the ball so much on first down and get nothing, they then feel like they have to come back and pass it on second down. So they're passing on second down at the number eight highest rate in the NFL. So they go from one of the highest rates of runs to then the highest rate to passes, and those passes are quite predictable. And as a result, this team picks up a first down on either first or second down only 18% of the plays. That is the 29th rate in the NFL. And as a result of being so terrible on early downs, this team has not been able to build leads out the gates. They have led, even though this team has a winning record, they're three and two, they've led in only two of five games this year at halftime. And that actually turns out to be perfect for the Atlanta Falcons, because if there's anything worse than Desmond Ritter playing on the road, it's Desmond Ritter playing in a deficit and trying to come back in games and being in known passing situations and trying to complete passes and having efficiency. So we want to keep him out of that. Well, I think this is the perfect matchup to keep him out of it against a Bucks team that's going to come out and run the ball on first down, probably not have success and not have a lot of efficiency and get forced into a bunch of third downs and probably not have a big halftime lead. That'll allow the Falcons to be able to run the ball in the second half if they want. I, I tend to agree with the directional movement in this total in that I don't find value, but I do think it's going to be a lower scoring affair. And for that reason, I think there's value in teasing the underdog in this point. Now, FanDuel still has 37 and a half, just so you guys know out there, which is a good number. It is over the 37. Again, I'm not saying that I see value in the under, but if you are trying to bet this game to the under, you'd want to get a 37 and a half, which FanDuel, our sponsor has. Uh, but I think there's a good value in teasing the Falcons through the three and the seven to eight and a half here. Mm, okay. So Tampa not likely to be a two-score winner is the way we might be sizing this one up. I, I believe with, so. With total I, I believe so. With it, with it, with the, we've seen blowouts with low totals though. So there, there's always the chance that Ritter comes out here and throws three interceptions. Um, but you know, the the other thing too, we talked about how the Bucks don't take leads. I mean, the Falcons. And, and Arthur Smith knows this and he knew it last year and he knows it this year once again. Uh, and I know that for a fact, but this team has not held a halftime lead yet this year. 
They continue to just play way too conservatively out the gates. They're playing not to lose. They're playing to be in these one-score games. They're playing to try to find variants that will work their way on just a variety of plays. It did not last week, right? They had opportunities against the C-Words to win that game. It didn't go their way. They That's what they're like playing for because they don't think they've got the talent at the quarterback position and the offense in general to be able to like go gangbusters early. They're playing to be in these close games to try to have a opportunity to win. And that is why the Falcons are such a good team to tease over the last couple of years, because this literally is the way that they are playing games. They want the games to be one score and give themselves a shot to win. Now, I can assure you that that's not the smartest way to actually win games, but Rest assured, that is the smartest way to cover teaser legs. <laughs> so let's <laughs> let's play on that element. Okay. Well, I I have uh, this next game circled, and this without any um, you know smart ass uh, snide comments from me, hyperbole otherwise. This deserves cream of the crop status. The Detroit Lions are at the Baltimore Ravens. Um, the Ravens are favored by three. The total on Fanduel right now, I just checked, is all the way up to forty three. And a half. It was at 41 and a half earlier in the week. And and the fact that it's being bet up in this manner suggests to me that the weather forecast must be improving. I haven't had a chance to sit down and pound the, the Baltimore weather situation, but there was a forecast of winds in the 15 to 25 mile an hour um, range and that there, there was going to be some gusts coming through um, and that was impacting the total. Um, but it looks like it's all the way up to 43 and a half. So, so maybe that's not, um, the case, the Ravens coming back from London and monitoring injuries this week, the lions, uh, looking at, um, Jameer Gibbs as a very necessary element to their situation. Cause David Montgomery is definitely out. The lions come in three and O on the road. They've beaten Kansas city, green Bay and Tampa, which is pretty Impressive. Their coaching staff canceled practice on Wednesday to let the the roster get a little bit of a of a breather. It seems Lions um, covered four straight, won four straight, and you know both teams on defense score very well in the advanced metrics categories. Um, the the you know, the Lions are seventh in defensive EPA per play, fifth. In rushing success allowed, 12th in passing success allowed. Baltimore, second best in its EPA numbers, second best in in pass defense. Um, Of course, when you get into numbers like this for both of these teams, you're looking at who are the offenses they were up against, who are the quarterbacks they were up against. Um, But all the same, both teams have been handling their business. Um, There is a weird... um, you know, tr- trend line of uh, the Ravens favored um, by by three at home. They're two, eight and one against the spread in their last 11 in Baltimore. They haven't been good at covering at home for whatever weird reason. Lions been crushing 14 and two against the spread um, over the last 16. They're 15 and five against the spread in their last 20 as an underdog. How are you looking at this delicious matchup? It is delicious, and might I interject, House, before I get into this game specifically, that as critical we as we are about the NFL, we once again need to give them their flowers for a great slate of balance 
in this week seven card. I mean, number one, we don't have to wake up super early for football over in London. So in case you want to sleep in and not get up early like me and sleep four hours a night or less uh, and bet props in the middle of the morning, uh, you can sleep in a little bit, not miss football this week. In addition, we only have six one o'clock games and we've got four four o'clock games. So six ones and four fours, a great Sunday night football matchup. The 4 p.m. games, they're, they're, they're relatively compelling, especially with this Chargers Chiefs game. Uh, and there's some great games at one o'clock as well. This one, I think, is the premier one o'clock game. So uh, given the schedule, I don't think that we could complain about the way that it is balanced. I am looking at some AI generated weather here, House. Uh, yeah, using AI some, generated. Using some AI to our advantage here. Uh, not AI generated like as in the, 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 they shocked, we shocked the sky and then the machines are coming to like the matrix style, like attack us <laughs> type thing. But the, the, they're generating the forecast for me. And I am seeing right now that 18 mile per hour winds with gusts of 30. And this forecast oh. was substantially better, uh, than. Like we were talking last week about all these forecasts that were coming out, you know, people were betting all those games to the under. Now games went under just because the unders like it's king of the unders this year. But the weather, if you watch those games, like really was like, oh my God, yeah, of course this game's definitely going under. The weather's hideous here. Like the weather ended up not being quite as bad as was being forecast uh, early in the week. But the stuff I was looking at even early in the week was showing me pretty accurate uh, results. So I'm on this, uh, I'm on this AI trip right now with the weather. And so I think if 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 I'm going to trust these guys or these these machines, um I I really feel like we're getting uh 18 mile per hour with gusts of 30. So 30 mile per hour not, uh, gusts are not great, but you do have to wonder um how often those gusts are occurring because I believe that the way gusts are calculated uh it is a a burst of wind for I think 30 seconds that happens once an hour or something along those lines. So it doesn't necessarily mean that like it's it's every few minutes we're having massive winds of 30 miles per hour. It just means like it has to be there at some point during that hour. Um, so if, if you know meteorologists, feel free to chime in and correct me when I tweet out this podcast. But uh, <laughs> I would I would love some education there as it relates to this game and the weather. That's what I'm seeing. That would affect some punts. That would affect some distance field goals. Uh, neither of these teams, the, ironically enough, Jared Goff, he throws the ball deeper down the field than Lamar does. Lamar is a little bit more underneath. The Lions actually have a deeper passing attack this year. Um, but I don't think that like it's going to impact these quarterbacks. Now, Goff is not a good bad weather quarterback. Right. But if it's just wind and it's not actual like rain, there was a game I remember he played in Green Bay. It was a Monday night game or Sunday, Thursday night. I forget what it was uh, when he was with the Lions. And in the first half, it wasn't raining yet. And like the Lions were looking great. And then at halftime, because we were all taking the Lions. And then at halftime, we saw that the rain had started like right to, at the end of the first half. We all bet the Packers. And then sure enough, like Goff doesn't score another touchdown and the Packers come back and win the game in the rain in the second half. He's very impacted by rain and bad weather. But I mean, we're talking temps in the low 60s and 18 mile per hour winds with gusts a little bit higher. I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. We'll see. Pay attention to it forecast closer to game time they're obviously more accurate than they are now um the interesting thing about this game is how most of these teams both of them haven't really played great opponents i mean right. i'm looking at the last 
four games that the Detroit Lions have gone up against from a passing perspective. The number 26 Panthers, the number 25 Packers, the number 21 Falcons, we just talked about Desmond Ritter, and the number 20 Buccaneers, we just talked about Baker Mayfield. When you name the quarterbacks, though, it sounds even worse. We're talking about a rookie Bryce Young, first-year starter Jordan Love, first-year starter Desmond Ritter, and Baker Mayfield. Now they have to go up against Lamar Jackson. And the other thing that none of those four teams had that the Lions just played was a solid rushing attack. All the running attacks that I just mentioned for those teams rank between number 21 and number 32. And I know it seems strange for the Packers and especially the Falcons to rank that low, but the Falcons rushing attack is like way worse than it was last season, even though Bijan is there. And, um, in addition, the Packers, like the Aaron Jones has been out and they don't have a good rushing attack without Aaron Jones. So that's one of the reasons those teams are 21st or worse. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens have the number 12 uh, rushing attack. So they've ranked top 12 in both passing and rushing efficiency, much more difficult than what the Lions have faced. Um, and I think there's opportunity for the Ravens to have some success here um, in both on the ground and in the air. The, the Lions struggle to defend mobile quarterbacks. The defense coordinator for the Lions have come out and admitted as much in the past. That should give an edge to Lamar Jackson a little bit here. Um, and I feel like the Ravens, you know, Last week, it was all the red zone failure. I mean, I was sweating through over 22 and a half points scored by the Ravens in that game. And there really was no reason for me to be sweating that. They were, they didn't even punt the ball. They were moving the ball up and down the field. Uh, they just were settling for field goals, like inside the 10 yard line, inside the 20 yard line. It was insane how crappy variance their red zone offense was. I wasn't sure the way, why they were calling the plays that they were, but, um, they eventually got over that total. I think at home and keep in mind, I mean, I don't think they've played a true, they look at their home schedule. They, they play like one home game against the Colts in the rain. They played one home game very early in the season. I think week one or two, uh, yeah, this week team one is against really, Houston. Yeah. Week one against Houston, CJ Stroud. Like this team has not really played at home in like normal weather, which, you know, wind is fine. Rain is, you know, I say wind is fine. Like a little bit of wind is okay. Um, no rain. Yeah, I, I think this team's going to look a little bit better offensively here. I really do. Even though they're playing a very good defense in, in, in the Detroit Lions, I don't think the Lions have been tested all that much lately. Um, I'm excited to watch this game, House. I, I don't have a bet on it yet, um, but I'm just waiting to see on the final weather reports. And this line right now, it's sitting right at three and it's taken a little bit of Lions money. And this is one of the most public sides of the week. I'm interested to see how far the public might end up betting the Detroit Lions here uh, and if they can move it off of the three. Because, you know, everybody likes the Lions plus three. I mean, that's got to be one of the most popular bets. People are penning the Lions as like a top five team right now in the NFL. So um, they're five. What are they? Five and one? Five so, and one. I mean, they, they, they've earned the, the place in, in the discussion. And I, I want to make sure, you know, if, if we we're going to talk about the quarterbacks that the Lions have faced, um, we definitely should discuss the Ravens defense and the metrics Fair that they've achieved. Yes. I mean, you know, they, they've been up against Kenny Pickett and Joe Burrow with one leg and Gardner Minshew and CJ Stroud in his very first game in the NFL and the guy from Cleveland with three last names. <laughs> who didn't know he was going to be a starter until Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yes, exactly. that guy. And then the combination of Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis, uh, that's not a murderer's row of quarterbacks. So the interesting thing to me is like, I think you can make a good argument and you laid out a nice case for the Lions secondary hasn't really been tested. We anticipated that they would be, 
in for the stern test at the very beginning of the season against the Chiefs. But what we've seen from the Chiefs all season long is they're a, a one-trick uh, pony, a one tay pony with Jason Cab- uh, Kelsey. Sorry, Jason Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling for, for receiver, receiver talent. They just reacquired Miko Hardman, the, the, the Chiefs. Um, and, and so we, the same kind of argument applies to this, this Ravens secondary with this batch of bums that they've, um, confronted so far. And I think it's, it's not uh, a stretch to say that the lions receiving core is the best that, that, uh, the Ravens will have faced. I just find it all fascinating. Go ahead. It is. One last note on this one. This total is one that's seen a ton of line movement. This thing opened when I was looking at it. I know there were some spots that did have like 45, uh, but when when I was looking at like Sunday night, it was 44 and a half. It got bet all the way down to like 41 and a half, and then it took some over money. And that's why we're sitting right here now at 43, 43 and a half. It looks like, uh, let me pull the latest from FanDuel. They are at 43 and a half juice minus 115 to the under. So, I mean, there's been some people that really like the under and talk about the weather and the wind. Then there's some people who are like 41 and a half is way too low for a game like this. And they were betting the over. So now we're right in the middle and it'll be interesting to see how much this wind does continue to drop this total later. But, you know, I'm not trying to play coy. But like I'm sitting on the sidelines and if we get a little bit more under money here or a little bit more Lions money here, then maybe I'll be going the opposite direction in in one or both of those. I like it. I'm thinking about a teaser leg and the Lions are on my card as potential teaser legs. But we'll get to that when we get to the the bet the house component here. Let's go to the late slate. You talked about how balanced the slate is. It really is wonderful. One of the um, juicy games on the board. The Los Angeles Chargers at the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, as luck would have it, that will be the East Coast bias same game parlay. So everybody out there, keep your eyes open this weekend. Uh, We have the Kansas City Chiefs laying a very weird number, Sharpie. They're laying five and a half points at home. The total, I think it's 47 and a half. Um, We can confirm that. 48, 48. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. There's a lot of 48s and there's a lot of 47 and a half. FanDuel is at 47 and a half. So if you like the over, that's the place to shop. So I, 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 I want to, um, begin by asking you a question. And the question is where the hell does five and a half come from in a game like this? The, The history between these two teams, it's a one score history. Pat Mahomes, the beginning of this week, we talked about every single time we go up against these guys, you know, it's, we're, we're in the fourth quarter and, and we're dueling it out. And every one of these, these games comes down to a three-point game, a three-point game, a three-point game. Um, the Chargers in general don't lose by more than, than three points. They've, the last 23 games, they've only lost by six points or more three times. So the Chargers, as we know, our eyes tell us they are in a ton of these one-score games. They're close, they're competitive, and they figure out a way to lose. But um, I don't understand the line here. Can you help me make sense out of it? So ironically enough, House, over the summer, this line was at six. Like the summertime line was at six. So we aren't really dealing with any type of... um, 
inflation or perception adjusted line here that although the chiefs are looking good right now and the chargers aren't and so we're going to make this a lot bigger like that's what it was over the summer now we have certainly seen the chiefs offense look worse than what we were expecting to start this year and you know ironically enough the 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 uh one of their biggest losses right now is their deepest threat, Justin Watson. Like you would not even thought of the name Justin Watson earlier this year or over the summer, but this is the guy who was catching most of the downfield passes. And now he dislocated his uh, elbow trying to catch a pass last week, which if he caught it, I would have hit my longest uh, reception over prop form. No, thank you to that. But um, he, he dropped the pass and then fell down and uh, dislocated his elbow. So, He's gone from this game. Um, but that's where they came up with this, this number. And I was looking at like the look ahead and, and early line movement. And really, we haven't seen a whole lot. There's been sometimes it gets to six and then it comes right back down. Sometimes it gets to five. I even saw as low as four and a half at some spots, but then it comes back up. So we've really been dancing in this no man's land area. We haven't seen enough money come in on one side or another to really move it like to a solid six everywhere or to like a solid four everywhere. Um, and it is interesting. It shows that there's a lot of balanced action here on both sides of this game. My guess is, my hunch is that at some point before we get to kickoff that this line will either touch four more places or touch six at other uh, more places. We aren't going to sit here in the five and a half range all week long in, 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 in my estimation. Well, I, I wonder in terms of the matchup, I mean, uh, Justin Herbert just had one of the worst games of his career uh, on Monday night. The whole world got to watch it. Um, NFL Twitter, everybody that's been a Herbert uh, skeptic got to come in and dunk on on uh, on him, um, but to me the interesting thing was we started to see a little bit of improvement out of the Chargers on defense, and the, the Chargers defense was an, uh, an abomination to to start this this season. And you have the stats, you know, handy in terms of um, points allowed and and success rate uh, against and that kind of thing. Herbert is due for kind of a bounce back game. This is you know crucial division game the chargers you know with aspirations of, of of making the playoffs and they're not yet out of it in the afc do you have a a feel for side or total in this one i honestly have done nothing i thought about the dog a little bit you know the dog has covered the spread in this matchup the the, the justin herbert uh, has been the dog and he's covered the spread in five of the last six meetings um in fact there's they he won one uh, he won two, but one of them wasn't against Mahomes. He's played Mahomes five times. He's won one of the five. In the other four games, he hasn't trailed by more than three points at the end of regulation in any of those games. So, I mean, odds will tell you that these are teams that play to the scoreboard. The Chargers will fight back and overextend themselves to get back into a game if they fall behind early. And the Chiefs are less likely to run away, especially in a series like this, uh, rather than ensure that they win the game by any means necessary. And sometimes that might mean going slow offensively and just trying to get a couple more first downs to bleed out the clock. Other times it might mean playing field position a little bit with a lead and trying to just ensure that um, they are not giving up you know, a touchdown uh, to lose a game or something like that. So I, it, it is likely that this game is probably going to be close, but 
I don't know. You know, this is the, it's a strange situation for me from a handicapping perspective because this is the best defense, in my opinion, that Mahomes has played with. He's been mm. backed by such a good defense. They don't need to do as much offensively here. And you're absolutely right. The Chargers defense has been bad, but yet they are. They played a little bit better last week. I also think that Justin Herbert with his hand is not quite 100%. I think the Mike Williams injury is a pretty big factor because the receiver they drafted in the first round is not it, at least not right now, Quentin Johnson. He's right. not that guy. And so, you know, they, they admirably got a little bit better production. Um, of course, Keenan Allen, but, but Josh Palmer played pretty well. But apart from, you know, a lot of, plays to thrown to Keenan Allen like I mean Herbert was missing him on some of those throws and that was really all they had and I feel like Steve Spagnuolo is going to have a good defensive game plan to minimize that they've been good against the run I, I just think it's going to be tough to see the Chargers scoring a ton of points here um, and I think I would lean like I agreed with the directional movement of this total towards the under uh, from it opened as high as like 50 50 and a half uh, let's see. Some spots were higher, but most of the spots on Sunday night were 50. And, and now it's down to, it got down to 47 and a half. Like we discussed, it came back up to 50 a little bit with some over money today. I don't really have a strong take on this game right now. It's going to be fun to watch. And I hope that maybe by the time the game comes around, that I'll have a proper two or a betting angle on it. But as of right now, I don't see enough value here. Yeah. I kind of love the under. Uh, at 47 and a half, is that still uh, a safe enough kind of place? That's It's not a key number that I'm going to get busted on? Well, 48 is definitely more valuable. So I would be looking 48 there, which there are plenty of. And if you if you want to just wait and see, FanDuel will probably join the rest FanDuel. of the... FanDuel will probably join the rest of the market is my guess there uh, and go back up to 48. Okay. Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, we will talk about the marquee game of the week. And then we're going to scan the board for anything that that might catch our attention in terms of an opportunity some weird line behavior perhaps uh the betting buddies have been weighing in all day so we'll get uh a good selection there and i'll try and bounce back with my bet the house after losing on the putrid patriots money line last week well let's let, let's take the break and then we'll come right back This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. 
Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All right, Sharpie. Let's get into it. A really, really good Sunday night game. Miami going up to Philadelphia. All of Philadelphia is is on a high right now with the Phillies. So I think that they might have been able to get over the loss of appetite that the performance against the Jets this past weekend uh, might have left them with. That was not a, a, a two-cheesesteak performance by, by the Eagles. But nice bounce-back opportunity for the Eagles. The line in this one, Philly just favored by what is now the, the, the normal uh, home field advantage, two and a half points. Uh, the total is 51 and a half. We are, of course, paying attention to injuries in this game. We want to know, for instance, whether or not Jalen Carter is playing. We want to know for sure what the status of the Dolphins center, Connor Williams, is. And we want to know what's going on with Lane Johnson. So before we get into kind of uh, handicapping this one, what is your feel uh, right now, up to the minute, sort of injury report status on those those key participants in this one. All right, so the Eagles have good news in that Jalen Carter got a limited practice in today, as did Lane Johnson. So those are two big names for them that got in limited. They got Darius Slay, cornerback. He got in a full practice today. Uh, they got a safety, Sidney Brown, who got in a full practice today. So the only guys that did not practice are Bradley Roby, a cornerback, and Reed Blankenship with a rib injury, their safety. So those two guys did not practice. The rest of the team got limited or full practices in. And you know, the trick to this game is once again, you are going to be having to can't, uh, you're going to be needing to watch the weather and stay tuned to the weather because there could be a little bit of rain. There could be a little bit of wind. And so we really just have to get a better understanding as to what we're going to be seeing, um, in that regard. But as it relates to the X's and O's matchup here, the key is, can the Miami Dolphins get a little bit of that ground game going? Because if they're able to get a little bit of that ground game going against this Eagles defense, that is going to allow them to open everything up with the offense and let them strike down the field to the weakness of the Eagles, which is in that secondary. However, if they are not able to get that ground game going, this is going to make this offense very one-dimensional. And if you can get after two a little bit with pressure, knowing that you don't have to worry about the ground game quite as much, and, you know, Connor Williams would be an, a huge loss in this game, a huge, absolutely huge loss. If you can get that ground game, if you can't get that ground game going and you getting pressure on Tua, that disrupts everything with this passing game. And we've seen that against the Buffalo Bills on the road when they played in Buffalo. So, for that reason, um, there are a lot of unanswered questions here. I have not done anything with this game yet. The total is sitting at 
51 and a half, which has come down from an opening of 53, 53 and a half at some spots I saw, and is now down substantially lower. So it's down all the way to 51 and a half. It might continue to drop if the weather ends up being bad. Um, so for those reasons, I do not think that we're going to see a high scoring in a affair here. I just, unless Connor Williams has a good bill of health and gets back up, I, I think this is going to be tough for us to get their house. Um, so I saw a little bit of value in the under myself, uh, but it is scary to want to bet an under in a game like this. The other thing is the Philadelphia Eagles, if they are trailing, they will be on their horse to try to play and they will be able to move the ball and go at a faster tempo against this Dolphins team that right now defensively is struggling massively. In the run game, in the pass game, it doesn't really matter. They're bad against explosive plays. They're bad against the run. The Eagles offense, if they've got their whole offensive line there, they should be able to move this ball pretty effectively. And that's the concern that I have for the Dolphins. Um, if somehow the Eagles are able to jump out to a lead, which they're favored in this game, and they can then get pressure and make the Dolphins a little bit one-dimensional. If Dolphins can't run, if they're forced to pass the ball, the Eagles can pin their ears back and get after a beaten-up offensive line with their strong defensive line. Dolphins may not be able to get back into it as easily as some people think that they otherwise might. And then forget if the Eagles get the ball. You know, if the Eagles get the ball and they're playing with a lead, this team's gonna could easily have a nine-minute drive that amounts to three points. You never know with this with this uh, Eagles team because they're slow, they're methodical, they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit here. You might want to look at some of DeAndre Swift props, um, rushing attempts, etc. Because I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities in this one. Yeah, Sharpie, this is uh, what I want to bounce off of you. It's a game script that favor favors the Eagles. It's their number one success rate run offense going up against the number 30 run defense of the Dolphins. And, you know, to be fair to to, to Vic Fangio, his, his defense is very much, you know, a, a work in progress. It hasn't been very impressive thus far, but it is uh, especially vulnerable against the run. And then the other thing that this Miami defense does is give up short passes. They, they let, you know, passes under 10 yards, um, sort of they're willing to, to live with that thus far in the short, in the small sample size that we have. Well, that's exactly what, what <laughs> Jalen Hurts likes to do. And the uh, combination of the Eagles potential success running the football plus those short passes, and it just fits game script-wise what you described, which is them going on long uh, ball control kind of, of drives that, that, that deprive the, the Dolphins of the opportunity to, to get cooking. And so I very much like the, the under, and my lean right now is, is on the Eagles um, laying the points here. If you want to talk me out of it, I'm listening. No, uh, I, ca I can't for any good reason, talk you out of it. It's scary to go up against the Dolphins right now. It's hard to pull that trigger, uh, but there is a game script that would pose very well for the Philadelphia Eagles to find some success here. And, and surely this is going to be one of those publicly backed dogs on Sunday night football. Everybody and their moms is going to be chasing losses with the Miami Dolphins here for sure. Well, hopefully one of the losses um, from the earlier slate, and this is our scanning the board segment, where we look for a game with a line that that seems uh, a little unconventional or out of order with what the line looked like on on the look ahead, 
And that is the Seattle Seahawks hosting the Arizona Cardinals. I think that line right now is Seattle laying seven and a half points. uh, And the total there is what? Total is, uh, this one has been bouncing around. It opened as high as 46 and a half, is now down to 44 and a half. And that's where FanDuel is at right now. So so talk about why the seven and a half that the the line has landed on um, is a little bit weird. Well, to me, I'm looking at this line in the summer and the line in the summer was seven and a half for the Seattle Seahawks. As a game at home, the Arizona Cardinals, while they made a little bit of ruckus at the beginning of the season, they certainly are sort of coming back down to earth and, and meeting the level to which we expected them to be. Meanwhile, the Seattle Seahawks, yes, they lost last week. They outplayed the Cincinnati Bengals. They should have won that game. They went one of five down inside of the red zone. They had opportunities to win. I did not think that they were going to miss as many chances down inside of the red zone as they did. The thing about this, so so number one, and they're getting healthier defensively and their defense is playing really soundly. So I think they're trending up, whereas the Arizona Cardinals are trending down. If I looked at these two teams, from what I expected them to be during the summer, I would say that the Seahawks, I have a higher perception of them than what I was expecting compared to my perception of the Cardinals. Thus, this line should be a little bit higher, but it's still at seven and a half. I think it makes for a very good teaser like. I think that the Cardinals struggle defensively against what the Seattle Seahawks do really well. The Cardinals are terrible against play action number 28. Geno Smith uses play action at the third highest rate. The Cardinals are terrible at getting pressure, dead last in the NFL. Geno Smith has been pressured at the fourth highest rate so far this season. So that's going to be a nice reprieve. Geno is terrible, literally number 32 in the NFL against man coverage. The Arizona Cardinals play the number two highest rate of two high zone defense of any team in the NFL. Geno is number four best versus two high defense. And finally, there's deep passing. Seattle throws deep at the number four highest rate in the NFL. The Arizona Cardinals are the worst team in the NFL defending deep passes. And that's not even to mention the ability to run the football, of which I think there's going to be a lot of upside for the Seahawks to be able to run the football. And I look for some longest rushing uh, props over for Kenneth Walker as well. That's at 17 and a half. I just think that there's a lot of upside here for the Seattle Seahawks, I think getting them in a teaser. We already talked about the Arizona, uh, sorry, the Atlanta Falcons earlier. I like the Atlanta Falcons to the Seattle Seahawks as a teaser like here. I like that. This is a bad spot for the Cardinals. It's their second straight divisional road game. It's their third in four weeks. They have been bad um, in the division. They're 1-10 against the spread in their last deli- uh, 11 divisional matchups. They lost uh, by 17 uh, to the Rams uh, and 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 19 to the Niners, Seattle 4 and 1 against the spread in the last 5 against Arizona. So this is absolutely a, a hammer spot for me on a teaser leg. I don't want to mess around with, you know, some kind of backdoor Josh Dobbs situation with the 7 and a half, but I absolutely adore r- taking them all the way down to 1 and a half. And when we get to bet the house, Seattle is one leg of a teaser and I'm going to get you to help me. We talked about the the Falcons up to eight and a half. I want to bounce one or two others off of you before we make the final selection. But let's hear from the betting buddies before we get to bet the house. We um, have a lot of very good suggestions across the board. Folks are doing the right thing, sending us their tickets. Again, if you have uh, you live in a state where you don't have 
FanDuel and can't send us a ticket, please continue to send us your good suggestions for a best bet. If there's something that we see that we like, we don't mind shouting it out. We just can't, you know, reward you in in FanDuel currency. That's the only uh, problem. But please continue to hit us up. We love all of the great action on the Twitter X machine. Um, Sharpie, what's out there this week from the betting buddies? All right, Alice, the first guy that we're going to pick is a guy that you just mentioned. Some people don't have FanDuel in their state. If you don't, we'll still get uh, you're on the show. If House likes your prop enough or likes your bet enough, we will still incorporate that. Um, and in this case, we have Ryan Turner. He said that he doesn't have a FanDuel account, but he's going to strike while the iron is hot. And Seattle has started utilizing Kenneth Walker III in the passing game more as their three wide receiver sets take a lot of attention. Take the over receiving yards for Kenneth Walker, 10 to 12-ish range. While you are telling me if you like that, I'm going to look up the exact number for you at FanDuel. That would be great. Yeah, I I do like this. And I'm glad coming off of um, our sort of breakdown of that Arizona-Seattle game, I do like featuring Kenneth Walker in this way and the the creativity uh, out of that Seattle offense. I mean, you, you mentioned it, Sharpie. Seattle had that Cincinnati game won a dozen different ways. They just couldn't get anything done in the red zone. And we will have an opportunity to give some flowers to Lou Anaromo. It looks like he's getting that Cincinnati defense uh, worked up into sort of mid-season, post-season shape. But let's go ahead and, and run with this uh, very nice Seattle prop. What, what's the number on FanDuel So right the now? number right now, uh, it's actually not available at FanDuel right now, <laughs> but I can tell you that the industry market number is 13 and a half. He Great. has gone over that two of the last three weeks. The 13 and a half is higher than what it has been of 11 and a half or 10 and a half, which it was the last few, three weeks. Those were the numbers. So the market, they've boosted this number up a little bit, to try to scare you away from betting it. Ryan, we're not going to let them do that. We're going to go ahead and take your advice there uh, and look to the over. But we have a couple others house that fit the mold a little bit of what we need here. And that is somebody in a FanDuel legal state who wants to get $100 from FanDuel dollars to simply show us an actual ticket that they play. So I'm going to go two for you here, House. The first one, you're going to pick one of these guys. The first one is a guy named Big Uncle 3X. Maybe, mm. maybe this guy's this guy's a large gentleman. We'll see. Um, he has a nice Wong teaser, Bears to plus eight and a half at home in a low total game with two backups. And then Las Vegas goes east and is used to their indoor stadium. Bills tease down to minus two and a half because the Pats are dead. So Big Uncle 3X, that's his logic. Bears up, Bills down. What do you think? Big Unc, I love what you're cooking, brother. The Bills one, I absolutely have to endorse after the 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 manner in which the Patriots treated me and the Podfather last week. Although the Podfather was happy. He wants the Patriots to lose every one of these games for the rest of the season so they can jump into does this he very want, rich. Does he ahead. want does a very rich quarterback class? Sorry to interrupt. Yes. Does he want does he want um Bill Belichick to remain the coach though with the young quarterback? Or is he off the no, bus on Bill no, Belichick? No. Well? He he look, he he will forever love and support Bill Belichick, but he, his his time has passed in New England. There could be a a very nice parting of ways and let Bill go chase. 
the Shula record in another uh, destination. It, it will be of Bill's choice. Lots of teams out there will be looking for head coaches this offseason. Perhaps Washington. I don't want Bill Belichick here in Washington, Sharpie. But I do appreciate that teaser leg from Big Onk. Uh, that's a good one. Just teasing the Bills down to two and a half. Um, even though they look a little dinged up, we know their defense um, has real uh, holes because of injuries. It's a shame. But um, the other leg... That that bear's leg is punchy. I mean, I, I really like it. Look, we have <laughs> Tyler Badgett, right? Tyson. That- Tyson Badgett. <laughs> See? There we go. And and I understand, Sharpie, the gentleman, like an all-time nickname. You don't get this every week on the, the Ringer Gambling show. Um, what's the what's what's the young man's nickname? Teabag himself. Teabag, T-bag Tyson Badgett. Himself. T-bag How can you himself. Not- how can you not ride with the tea bag? Great job by, by Big Unk. We have tea bag and 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 the Bills uh, combined here. I don't think that that's going to be my one because I just can't get in the business of putting any money on the tea bag at this point. But let's let's watch him cook. Let's yeah, watch let's watch cook, it. Let's watch tea bag cook. One other thing that I do like about this game, uh, a prop that I like that I think you guys should pay attention to, DJ Moore. Look, D- we know tea bag. He's not. You know, he's from uh, Shepard and he hasn't played in the NFL a lot. But when he was playing last week, he targeted DJ Moore six times on 15 routes. That's 40 percent. Forty three percent of the team dropbacks target share went to DJ Moore. Those numbers aren't sustainable, but it does make sense that a young quarterback is going to throw the ball a lot more frequently to a number one target at wide receiver. And so we go DJ Moore over four and a half receptions. That's a plus 130. It's a very high number because DJ Moore doesn't, you know, like we got tea bags at the quarterback. However, listen to this. They're playing the Raiders. The Raiders ranked number one against deep passes, but number 28 versus short passes. They play the soft defense. They sit back, prevent everything over the top. You can throw the ball underneath against them. You know, last week, the Bears went up against the Vikings. They're the number one defense, number six defense, rather, versus short passes. You you can't pass the ball on them underneath. And so... For those reasons, I absolutely think that is a good upside here for DJ Moore to catch three and a half. But I'm going to skip now to Adrian. Adrian, you've been on the show before. Uh, we shouted you out. Adrian Barovier. I don't, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your last name incorrectly. Uh, but you, you've thrown some props out here that House has liked in the past and you've got a correlated uh, game script here that House, I think, might be interested in. So here you go, House for plus four, two, five. 425. You got the Philadelphia Eagles money line. You got an alternate total of under 50 and a half. So he's selling the 51 here, going underneath that key number of 51. And DeAndre Swift to gain 50 plus yards on the ground. Combine those three together and you get plus 425. What do you think of that one? Yeah. So Adrian's singing my kind of song. This is exactly the kind of uh, correlated same game parlay that I like. I love getting better than four to one. And we went through game script wise, why this is appealing from the Eagles perspective. So if you come into that matchup, like I do thinking that it's a nice bounce by back spot for the Eagles, we're not asking them to do anything extraordinary. We're asking them to be themselves, just run the ball, take the air out of the football, use the advantage you have on both sides of the ball, offensive line, defensive line, and go ahead and and win the game 
outright uh, and a nice low total. That this is this is my kind of uh, uh, dance right here. Great job, Adrian. This is the big winner, Sharpie. All right, so Adrian, there you go. A uh, hundred Fanduel bucks, and you guys can get your shot at a hundred Fanduel bucks too. All you got to do show a copy of a ticket that you actually placed when house calls for your tickets next Thursday as part of the betting buddies, and get your shot at. At glory on the podcast and 100 FanDuel bucks in your account. Cannot beat that. House, let's hear from you, though. We got to go with what is your bet the house this week? Yeah, it's a bounce back spot for house. We're four and two on the season after, you know, trying to roll along with the Patriots last week. We we talked about why we love Seattle from seven and a half down to one and a half. That's absolutely one of the legs. I want you to help me, Sharpie. My the the contenders here. You 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 made a nice case for the Falcons from two and a half up to eight and a half. I'm looking at the Lions from three to nine, um, just because the 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 um, Ravens have been letting teams hang around. I mean, there was really an opportunity. It felt like for the Titans last week to get back into it. Obviously, the Bills from eight and a half down to two and a half, but that feels a tiny bit too square. And then I'm looking at a potential leg of the Giants. Now this game. Um, the, the number keeps moving from two, two and a half to three. It might be a three. Now, um, the giants from, uh, two points up to eight points against the C words, uh, among those legs is, is the, the Falcons still your favorite? I think it is. Now, the one thing that I could argue for in your favor is, you know, the lions are a very public team and not normally I'm never going to lobby for teasing a three to a nine because you're losing value you're by losing doing value. that. However, if that three is very likely to go to two and a half, then you could wait and take it from two and a half to eight and a half, or you could just go now and get it at nine. So if you can see the future and think that this thing is trending downward, all the public action is going to drop this down to two and a half, then it may not be the worst bet in the world to go ahead and include them in a teaser. You know the C words better than I do as to whether or not you would want to ball out with them, um, sorry, and, and, and fade them and take the Giants here. Uh, but my 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 gut. What I like the most still is the, is the Falcons here. But if you are petrified of Ritter on the road, for good reason, outdoors Ritter on the road, then you know I, maybe the Lions are the best bet in this situation, especially if they're going to go down to two and a half. Yeah, I I think I'm going to end up. This will be an emotional hedge, so I'll just confess it, confess it to everybody. I'm going to do the Giants because Tyrod Taylor does not make mistakes. I'm expecting that he's going to play. I don't think that Daniel Jones neck injury. The Giants did this last year. They said, oh, he, he could be back. He could be. And they keep everybody guessing, but he ain't coming back. Uh, and especially Taylor was was, you know, pretty sound uh, uh, against the Bills uh, on Sunday night. And and the Giants were, were in that thing. Now, they have this preposterous situation with their offensive line they're getting guys off the couch i mean it's it's a it's a tough situation but history tells me i've been watching the washington football franchise and the new york giants compete against each other for my entire life and these games are tight and they're close and they come down to one possession and so i know the nfc east this is my teaser leg this is bet the house we're taking the giants from wherever they may be from two and a half up to eight and a half, from two up to eight, from three up to nine. It's going to be a two-score situation against the C-words, and it's that plus the Seattle Seahawks. Let's 
try and cash some tickets Sharpie. What better way? I mean, Podfather was rooting against his Patriots last week. Now you're rooting against your C-words. I mean, it, it's it's very appropriate. Uh, root against the teams that you love from birth. I feel that that's a great strategy. Shows that you do not care. Your loyalty is to the dollar, not the team. So that'll do it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. The Ringer Gambling Show will return on Monday when the East Coast Bias guys get back together to recap the weekend, preview Monday Night Football, and get you set for the start of the NBA season. By the way, the East Coast Bias crew is going to be back with the same game parlay on the Chiefs and the Chargers. You do not want to miss that, so stay tuned to Ringer Socials to see what the boys are cooking up there. Thanks to Joe House for joining me and to Mike Wargon and Steve Cerruti for producing this episode. Good luck with all your bets this weekend. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 533-42. In Connecticut, you can call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. In Louisiana, 1-877-770-STOP. Visit in Maryland, mdgamblinghelp.org. In West Virginia, you can visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Or in Wyoming, you can call one 800 522 Four seven zero zero. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call in New York 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.